Hey friend, I am so excited to have you here with me today on the By His Grace podcast. I'm your host, Misty Phillip, the author of The Struggle is Real, but so is God Bible Study and the founder of Spark Media and now the co-host of Spark Influence, the podcast I recently launched with my husband to help people live intentional lives in their marriage, with their family, and in their ministry and business. I just want to take a quick minute to thank everyone who has listened to Spark Influence and left us a review. I love reading the sweet messages telling me how much the podcast is ministering to you. So I am so, so thankful to each of you. You know, I am living proof that God will take some of our biggest mistakes and those darkest times and use them for good and for his glory. Our God is so faithful and y'all, he is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We all have a story that we can use to give God glory. We may not all be podcast hosts or authors or speakers or pastors, but we can all share the goodness of God to the world around us in our homes, on social media, and in our communities. In the book of Revelation, we learn that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But how do we pick up the pieces and move on after tragedy strikes or we suffer a devastating loss? It could be the death of a dream, a life-changing illness, or the loss of a loved one that can rock our world and shake us to the core. Y'all, this is why we need Christ to be our firm foundation, the rock on which we stand. Scripture tells us the wise man builds his house upon the rock, but the foolish man builds his house upon shifting sands. When the storms of life come, and they will, if we have built upon the rock, we will stand and life will be better again. But if we fill our lives But if we fill our lives with the things of this world, when the wind and the rain and the storms come, we will be destroyed. My guest today, Lisa Apollo, has suffered tragedy and lost, but she's here to proclaim God's goodness and to tell us how life can be good again. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Welcome to the By His Grace podcast, Lisa. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. We have met in real life, which is fun. We've been friends online for quite a while. And I knew when I saw that you wrote this book on grief and loss and just how God can be good and your life can be good again, that I needed to get you on the show to talk about that. So welcome to the By His Grace podcast. I'd love to start this interview by you you telling the listeners, for those who don't know you, a little bit of your story and kind of what prompted you on this journey? 
Sure. So thank you for having me, Misty. I really appreciate it. I love your work and your ministry and what you're doing. You know, I would never have set out to write this kind of book, but 10 years ago, our life shattered in a way that we never saw coming. And I say our, because it really affected my whole family. I have seven children who were at the time four years old to 19. And I woke up on a Friday morning to my husband's strange breathing. And I wasn't even awake enough to open my eyes. I just remember waking up enough to kind of instinctively reach over my hand and nudge him and say, it's just a nightmare, hun. Thinking that he was having some kind of like nightmare driven breathing, but he did not roll over and he did not stop. And so a few minutes later, I woke up more, turned on the overhead light and I could see immediately that something was very wrong. He was not responsive and this had come from nowhere. I, there had been no signs, no symptoms or warning that anything was the matter. And so I went into crisis mode. I called 911 and began to do CPR as, as the operator walked me through and didn't even get through two full rounds when the paramedics were there. They're right outside of our neighborhood. So I was very hopeful. I thought, good, he is in good hands and he's going to be so mad when he wakes up and realizes he has to miss work today. They took him by ambulance to the hospital and I followed And it was not long after I got there that they called me into the room you never want to go into. I wanted to go into a patient room, but they took me into like that consulting room and said that they had worked on Dan for over two hours and they had never been able to revive him. And so that was it. I mean, in one night's sleep, life just shattered into a thousand pieces that would never, ever be the same again. Yeah, I'm so sorry, first of all, for your loss, but I'm also so grateful for you and the way that you have used your story to minister to others and to show them how your life can can be good after you've been so devastated by a loss. You lost your husband and your children, they lost their father. And I'd love to know what are some ways that we can walk alongside grieving people that can be a blessing because sometimes we don't know what to say. And sometimes I feel like maybe not saying anything at all, just being there and being present is helpful. But I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think walking alongside somebody who is has had any kind of loss, and there's a lot of ways that a life can shatter. It could be a, a spouse who walks out. It could be a chronic diagnosis that changes life as we know it. There are a lot of ways. It could be a miscarriage or child loss, just the unthinkable. And, you know, when those things happen and we're walking alongside somebody, we can be paralyzed because it's too big to fix. I mean, nothing we can say can really comfort the way we want it to. We can't fix a situation. And so what tends to happen is a couple things. I think the wrong thing to do is try to say something that will fix it. Like at least, you know, people said things to me like, at least you're still young enough to remarry, or at least you still have children at home, or at least you had all those years with him in a good marriage. He's in a better place. You know, those, those, What they do is they rush somebody through their pain and try to slap on a platitude to explain it. And I think you're right that not saying anything is better and just being there and sitting with them and listening to them, you know, asking questions like, how can I pray for you? Like, give me something specific I can pray for you. What do you miss most? Or if it's a loss, tell them what you loved about the person. You know what I loved about your husband? You know what I loved about your little one, your little three-year-old? 
If it's a divorce, we can't do that. But we can say, listen, I am here with you in this. I am so sorry you're going through this. And then I think the second thing is, don't discount the small practical ways that you can step in to help. Nobody can do everything, but each one of us can do something, some one thing. And I think I heard that first from Crystal Payne, Money, Money Saving Mom. So I want to give credit to her, but it was such, it really said and expressed what I think we all, the permission that we all want, that if we look and see that we can just bring a casserole or that we can pick up the kids for a play date, or we can text some encouragement, or we can remember a milestone date, or we can step in and pray for them, you know, just do the one thing that God leads you to do, knowing that the fullness of it in the in the body of Christ is going to be like the hands and feet of Jesus and, and so much love for that person. Yeah, my neighbor recently passed away and everyone on our block was just absolutely devastated. We've got a really close fellowship and, I, you know, I didn't know what to do. And I've, I've experienced a lot of grief and loss in my life, starting with when I was a child and my brother died. And I remember a lady just came over and my mom had had all my dad's shirts out to iron and she just started ironing because that was her gift. So I went to my basic instinct, which is I can, I can cook. So I, you know, did something like I had, I felt like I had to do something, but I didn't know what I could do. And so I just made some, some chicken casserole and, you know, just showed up on their doorstep and just hugged them and told them I was praying for them and told them I loved them. And then about a week or two later, the Lord prompted me, you know, give her a copy of your Bible study, The Struggle is Real. And so when she's ready, she can go through that study. And so you're right. There are lots of different ways that we can come alongside people in their grief and really just be supportive. One of the things that you talk about is lamenting, and I would love for you to share more about that. You know, it's something that I discovered because I was just desperate. It was not that I set out with such intention to do this thing that would help me move through my grief. I was so grief naive, but I was desperate for the Lord. I mean, I had been a, a believer for a long time. I had been through hard things in my life and seen God faithful, but never in a place like this where I was just so utterly dependent on God to heal our hearts, to provide for us. We were a single income family and that income was gone to help me parent my kids. I was a single mom now. And so I would get alone every morning. I would kind of get my kids started for the day. And then I would go get in my minivan. I say some people have a prayer closet. I have a minivan. And I would go around the corner to a park. And just in the quiet of that place where nobody could interrupt me or come in uh, and there were distractions, I could cry out to the Lord. And sometimes that was audible. Sometimes it was through journaling. Sometimes it was through prayer. I could ask my hard questions. I could express my needs, my fear for the future and all of my emotion. And then I would pick up the, the Bible and I was reading through the Bible for a year. It was actually something I started after Dan died. I picked up his reading plan and his journal and just kept going. So there I was in June, halfway through the year. And whatever the passage was for that day, I didn't go look for a certain scripture that was going to tell me what I wanted to hear. But whatever the passage was that day, I would read it. And it never failed to, to just stun me how God would meet me on the words of that page. He would remind me who he is and his promises, how he cares for us. And I would have enough hope 
to go back into my house and to, to parent for that day. And it wasn't enough for the week. It, I had to go back in the next morning and do the same thing. And that process, we see that mostly in the Psalms. It's really all through scripture, but where David would take his hard emotion, his hard questions to God and say, you know, how long, oh Lord, or my bones are drying up in me. Or, you know, he would complain about an injustice, but he would always not just take those hard emotions to the Lord and those hard questions to the Lord, but then he would say, but I trust you. So lament is saying, I'm hurting, but I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. You know, I'm fearful about what's next, but I trust you. Yeah, that's so good. And and speaking of fear, that's kind of the topic that I wanted to to move next because, you know, you said you're you're you were a single income family, you were at home raising your kids, and then all of a sudden, you know, how am I gonna provide for my family? How am I gonna raise my kid? Like I'm sure that just all of those questions invoked fear of the unknown and it just that fear can creep in. So how can you move forward? You know, you were in the word and you were using that as your daily bread, right? Were there some specific passages that the Lord used to minister to you in this time? There absolutely was one, or there were a lot of passages, but regarding fear specifically, there was a, there was a verse that I, I had to put into practice. You know, we all I think cerebrally, even when we are in a crisis or, or an unexpected uh, chapter of life, we kind of cerebrally know God is faithful. We would nod our head to that and sing the song about God's great faithfulness. We just wonder whether God is going to be faithful to us personally in this. And that's fear. And so I very much had a lot of fears for my children, how they would act out in their grief for our finances, for my future, all kinds of things for their health, my children's health. And one day, and I realized that I was parenting out of fear and I was paralyzed by fear. I was not able to make decisions because this fear was just ham, like hamstringing me. And one day over coffee, I was telling a friend this and she said, I know this one. And she as still to this day dealing with a chronic diagnosis, unless God heals her, that is, you know, progressive. And so she had had to deal with fear in her own life. And she gave me the scripture of Second Corinthians 10, 5 that says that we are to take all of our thoughts captive to obey Christ. And so I went home and put that into practice. I began to, when a, when a fear would come up, I would apply three steps. And the first one is to call out the, the lie under that fear because all of our fear is based on a lie. So in my situation of our our actual financial provision for the future, the, the lie is that God would not take care of us in this new season. And then I would take it captive. I would literally imagine it being lassoed and taken out of my thoughts. And the third step to replace it with the truth of Christ, to make it obedient to, to obey Christ. And again, that's always God's promise or his character. And so all through scripture, God tells us he's going to take care of us. But one that I, that I just, one that really, really stuck with me and still does to this day is in Philippians 4, where he says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And so, you know, we have to walk it out. I didn't see how in the world that was going to happen. But now this side of it, oh man, we could sit and talk for the rest of the time about all the ways that God provided financially more than I could ask or imagine. He's so good. He's so, so good. He's so faithful. 
Yes. And I love that. I tell people all the time about we've got to take our thoughts captive because the enemy would love nothing more than to discourage us or distract us and, and just living in the, the fallen world with with sin and evil and so much pain. But if we can re center our thoughts and and keep them on you know have the mind of Christ and I love that you said you lassoed it that's a that's that's good I'm gonna I'm gonna be thinking about that one well how does God help us hang on to hope how can we reshape our broken hearts yeah you know I again I think that even if we are people of faith Even if we've been through hard things, we can reach a new hard thing where we wonder how in the world God is going to walk us through this, how he's going to get us through this. And there are times that we need to borrow hope. There were, there was a day specifically where I was so raw and just so I had never tasted despair like I did after Dan's death. And I reached out to, I texted a friend and I said, I really could use your prayers this morning. And she, it makes me cry to think about it because within minutes she texted back. She was actually with a group of moms and kids of all ages. They were in a homeschool co-op and somebody's house for the day. And she texted me back a picture of all of them on couches and chairs, kneeling on the floor, bowing their heads in prayer for our family. And that picture uh, was such I borrowed their hope that day. They prayed for me and got me through that day and that moment. We also just need to go into scripture and just, again, be reminded continually. It is such a battle. You know, these places where God empties us or we are being tried or we are walking through a shattering loss, they are places of deep spiritual warfare. And we have got to be in the word continually letting God wash over those lies the enemy is feeding us with his truth. That's absolutely right. You know, I know I've been there many times more than I would have wanted to be in that place of despair. And I was reminded again this morning in James where it talks about to count it all joy. You know, and that's that's so much harder to do than it is to say we can say count it all joy. But the reason that we count it all joy is because it produces within us goodness, right? It it makes us steadfast. And ultimately, this is not our home. You know, everything that we face here is a light and momentary affliction. That's what Paul says. But when you're in the midst of it, it, it doesn't feel like that. So you're so right. We have got to be in the word and just bathed with with the word of God to, to see us through. And, and I think every day, all of us, that's where we need to be because we're living in really crazy days in, in this world. So what encouragement would you share with someone who may be going through grief? You know, I mentioned my neighbor. There's several other husbands that just recently died in my neighborhood. And I was just in Bible study last week and met a lady who is really still trying to process. She said, I'm in my Naomi season. And she's trying to figure out like, what what do you do? Because when you are married, you become one with that other person. And so there's this, this, this intense grief and loss. But, but how would you encourage someone in that season? Yeah. You know, it's so important to give permission to feel the affliction. We say count it all joy and by, by, we can hold both things 
to both know that God is going to work in us in ways that he never could on the sunny days, that we are going to see God in ways that we never would on the sunny days, but also to feel the pain and feel the gaping hole of loss, to be disappointed, you know, by, by this life that we didn't expect, right? Or this life that we didn't order. We have to feel those things if we are going to process them and if we are going to move through them. We can't mask that pain. We can't escape it. We can't try to just, you know, Netflix over it or shop over it or, you know, um, goodness forbid that we would take something, you know, a substance abuse over it. We have to let ourselves navigate that pain. And partly we do that through lament, like we talked about earlier. But, you know, I think sometimes these hard emotions of loss, like despair and sadness, loneliness, even anger, these things that come in these shattering losses, they unsettle us, but they don't unsettle God. God who created us created our emotions. And so we we are not just safe to bring our emotions to God. We are safest to bring our emotions to God. And that is how we process this loss. We, I think my word to somebody in that place right now would be, there are no shortcuts. And I wish there were, I wish that I could hand those out, but there are no shortcuts through losses in life. We have to navigate that place. And we can do that when we say God is present with us. Part of that means that we can take the, the overwhelm and the, the pain that is too much for us to bear alone to the Lord. And then, and then trust him in it. And just, you know, I, I think the other thing is to give yourself grace in that season. You know, there are, the, the, the grief is overwhelming. It is like physically, mentally, emotionally exhausting, even spiritually exhausting. I hear this from, from people who are new to grief and it reminds me of how exhausting that early raw active grief was. And so we will not be able to, you know, do things like we would. And that's okay. I mean, if I can tell my, tell you, you know, my kids, there were several times where I was like cereal for dinner and paper plates. And, you know, I did, I said no to things that I had said yes to. And we have to be able to give ourselves space and room to grieve. We can say yes to the invitation and give ourselves permission to say, you know what, I'm going to tuck in tonight. I do not feel good and I need to just process all this loss. So give ourselves grace in that season. That's so good. I think that's so important because I think our culture like you said earlier, like people want to give you platitudes and kind of just help you move on. But biblically, people grieved for a long time, but I think we don't have as much room. And sometimes that comes from us because we feel like I got to keep it together. I got to, you know, I got to take care of my family and my kids and, and whatever. And so we just kind of like move on. But you're so right. If we do not deal with that grief, it will come out somewhere else. And so I thank you so much for sharing that and just giving people permission to grieve and to go through all of the emotions and to take it all to God, because he says that his burden is easy and light and that we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. So Lisa, thank you so much. Uh, tell us where people can find your book, Life Can Be Good Again. And what is your subtitle? Putting your world back together after it all falls apart. You know, I wanted to know so much. I wanted to know, well, I didn't think that I would smile again. And I didn't think I would ever really feel that bubbling joy that comes up from those moments that we just know are special. I thought, you know, I will make the most of, of the second best 
this is not what I wanted, but for my kids and for me, I'll just make the most of it. And I think realizing that God does never, doesn't give us second best, that this is not his plan B, that is, it's his intentional chapter two for us was huge for me. So that's why we came up with that title that life can be good again. If we will do that hard work of grief, you can find it in all, all the places you find books online or hopefully in your local bookstore. And you can find me at lisaapolo.com, two P's, one L. And that's kind of my hub where you can get free resources, uh, posts and find me on all the socials. Yeah. And we'll put that in our show notes, all that information. So it's easy for people to connect with you. And and I just want to end by saying, you know, I've watched you live your life well. I remember when one of your kids got married, seeing pictures online and just you have really embraced this season with the Lord and caring for your family and you've, you've stewarded this season well. So thank you so much for taking your pain and using your story to give God glory. Absolutely. I mean, he is so faithful and, you know, anybody who's in that spot, I know we want to fast forward through it, but we will not be who God wants us to be unless we walk it out. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Misty. Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphilip.com, for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Phillip, and I would love to connect with you there. 